for the past few weeks, we have been experiencing this idea of keep the change. The idea that God gives us everything, and he lets us keep the change, and he says, do what you want with the change. Do what you want with what I give to you. And in the first week of this message series, I shared with you the four lies that culture tells you about money. I said, there's a way that God looks at money, and there's a way that the world looks about, at money and deals with money. And those two things are not the same. And so if you are struggling with your finances and with money, please understand, it may be because you're following the way the world is telling you to look at money versus the way God looks at money. And then last week, Bonnie and I got to sit up here together and share a cup of coffee and have an interview and, and talk about how valuable it is for us to share what we have and give uh, to others, that there's a blessing that comes when we're able to serve other people. That was the thrust of last week's message. And then today is our last message in the series, and the title of the message is Being Rich Towards God. Being Rich Towards God. And so as we delve into this topic, let's, uh, let's pray together this morning. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you for uh, the season of the year uh, where we are so thankful to have all that we have. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to our heads and to our hearts about this topic this morning. We pray this all today in Jesus' name. Amen. So when it comes to money, I have some good news for you and I have some bad news. I have some good news and some bad news. The good news is that you and I are rich. That's the good news. The good news is that you and I are rich. A lot of the time we don't feel like we're rich, right? We don't feel that way, but we're pretty rich. In fact, if you've read the news in the past year or so, uh, you will notice that during 2020, there was a shift in the wealth of the world. There was a shift that the world has never seen before. There was a shift right now, the top 1% of the wealthiest people the top 1% of the wealthiest people on the planet have more resources and assets than the bottom 50% combined. The top 1% have more resources and assets than the bottom 50% combined. Now, just as a curiosity to me, do any of you happen to live in the top 1%? No, I didn't think so. I, okay, I, I didn't think so. But <coughs> So I can understand, if you don't live here, why you might not feel very rich, right? I understand that we don't feel very rich, but the reality of our lives, the reality of our lives is that even though we're not in the top 1%, we are rich. Because here's the thing, even though we don't live in the top 1%, there are 3 billion people on this planet living on less than $2 a day. There are 3 billion people on the planet living on less than $2 a day. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you are living on $2 or less a day? I'm not seeing any hands there either. So, okay, so we don't live necessarily in the 1%, but we're also not living in the I only have $2 a day to live on category. And so if you compare the problems that you have with the problems of those who live in a $2 a day uh, lifestyle, I think we can say fairly that we're rich. We are rich. For example, let's think about the problems we have to be fair. But, you know, a huge part of the world must forage every day. They must forage every day for food. They must go out and look for their food on a daily basis. You and I have this cold box that lives in our house, and it keeps our refrigerator, it's called a refrigerator, and it keeps our food from spoiling for days. Some of you maybe for weeks or months, but for days, it keeps our food from spoiling. 
Yet how often have you or I gone to the fridge, gone to our cupboards and said, man, I got nothing to eat. There's nothing here. When we go to think about this season of giving and season of purchasing during Thanksgiving and Christmas, when we look at online purchasing, you know, how many of us get frustrated because our Amazon package took us three days to get here, all the way from California. Took us three days. Should have been here one day. Or when you pull out your phone, this device in your pocket, you pull it out and you're trying to find a song and you're trying to find some piece of information and you're looking for it and you're saying, ah, oh, that little wheel is going around and around and can it get here any faster from space? I don't understand. It's coming all the way from space, but it should be here super fast. Sure, we have problems. We have other problems too. But you and I, we have a lot of rich people problems. So I want you to say this out loud with me. I'm rich. Ready? Say this one, two, three. I'm rich. It doesn't feel very good. Right? There's something in your mouth that doesn't feel comfortable to say that. I'm rich. So say it again with me. I'm rich. One, two, three. I'm rich. Right? It, 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 the more we say it, the more we might actually believe it, though. Because one of the lies that culture tells you, we talked about this in the first message, is that you don't have enough. It's one of the lies that culture will tell you. You don't have enough. But it's important for us to say this and to believe it. One more time. One, two, three. I'm rich. Now, you're not as rich as the 1%. None of us here are as rich as the 1%. And you may not be as rich as your neighbor. That's fair, too. But in the eyes of God, you are rich. You are rich. And that's the good news. That's the good news. The good news is that we are rich. But I also have some bad news for you. The good news is that you're rich. The bad news is that you're rich. It's the good news and the bad news. The more you have, the harder it is for you to live by faith. We tend to trust what's in our hands rather than we trust what God provides. That's what we do. It's probably human nature for us to trust what's in our hands more than the one who put what we have into our hands. I always love the illustration of the closed hand versus the open hand before God. Right? The, the closed hand is when God gives you something and you hold on to it, you close your hand around it. It's a wonderful gift. God gives you blessing. Imagine he gives me a pile of money, as much change or as much gold coins as I can possibly hold in my hands. He gives it to me and I hold on to it. That's wonderful, but that's as far as it goes because I can never add any more to what's in my hand. At some point, the amount that God gives me to hold on to taps out. But the open hand says, God gives it to me and I give it away and then I can go back to God and God gives me more. There's a constant giving and receiving. The closed hand is, is, is absolute. It stops at the, the, whatever the number is that God can give you that you can hold on to. If you hold on to it and never let it go, that is it. That's as far as you will ever go, and that's as far as you'll ever grow. But when your hands are open and God can give and you can pass on, God can give you more. That's what God does. He gives us more. The good news is that you are rich. The bad news is that you are rich because being rich makes it harder for you to trust God with your being, to trust God with what he's bringing into your life versus what you're holding on to in your hands. Friends, it's not wrong to have nice things. 
And that's not the message of this, this message at all. It's not what I'm trying to say. Having wealth isn't the problem. The problem is when the things that you possess, possess you. We've talked about that. It's when those things that you possess, possess you now, then you become a prisoner to those things. That's the real concern. Being rich can put us at a spiritual disadvantage. A spiritual disadvantage because anytime we trust something else more than we trust God, we're making that thing an idol in our lives. That's why God was so strong in the commandments. Thou shalt not have an idol. You shouldn't worship anything else other than God. So if the good news is that we're rich and the bad news is that we're rich, how can we then be rich towards God? That's the question. How can we be rich towards God? Well, in order for that to happen, there has to be some mind shift going on in our lives. We have to shift our mind. We have to change from where we are to having a divine wealth mentality. And the first thing is this. The first idea that we have to change is this. We have to think like stewards rather than owners. We have to think of ourselves as stewards rather than owners. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jane mentioned that pastors don't like talking about money. And I agree with that. It's, it's probably true. And I told you about why I think that is. But, but, but when we talk about money, this is a verse, this one here, this is a verse that uh, is one that always comes up because it shares a very clear message from God about giving. If we're going to change our mindset and move to a divine wealth mentality, we have to understand the concept of the tithe, right? And so here in Malachi uh, chapter 3, verse 10, God says this through the, through the prophet Malachi. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Can we go back to the first part of that verse for a second? Try it and put me to the test. It's the only time, by the way, this is a side note, it's the only time in Scripture where God says, put me to the test. Test me. It's the only time he allows his creation to test the creator is in the issue of giving. See if I don't give you more so that you can continue to give. Test me in this, God says. But here's what I want you to see. Before we go any further, what percentage is the tithe, typically speaking? The tithe is, does anybody know? The tithe is 10%, right? Is it any 10%, just 10% of what you have? Give God 10%? It's not any 10%. It's a specific 10%. The tithe, the understanding of the tithe is bring the first, bring all the tithes, the first that you have, bring that into the storehouses so that well, there will be enough food in the temple. So what the, the concept is talking about is bring the best that you have, bring the first that you have, bring the tithe, it's the first 10% of whatever you had, your grain, your animals, your money. It was whatever you had to bring the first part in because when God is first in our lives, we are opening ourselves up to God's blessing. That's what the concept of the tithe tells us. Now notice it doesn't say, and this is why I wanted you to see this, notice it doesn't say give your tithe to the church. Give your tithe to the storehouse. Give your tithe to something else. It doesn't say give that. What does it say? What's the word there? Bring. Bring. Leviticus tells us that the tithe is holy and it belongs to the Lord. You can't give something that doesn't belong to you. You are bringing what belongs to God into the storehouse. 
When we return the tithe, we are bringing God's gifts back to Him. And bringing God's gifts, we're declaring God's ownership over all that we possess. It's not mine to own, it's God's to own, and it's mine to manage. And so I'm bringing what belongs to God into the community. It's God's to own, mine to manage. And in this way, we are stewards of what God provides, not owners of our wealth. That's a mindset change. That is a mindset change. And this is the first one that we have to understand. If we're going to be rich towards God, then we have to change our mindset to understand we are stewards, not owners, of the amazing wealth that God has in front of us. Now, there's another mindset that must change if we're going to be rich towards God, and that is that we have to learn to invest more than we spend. We have to invest more than we spend. Every second of every day, we have a choice to spend what we have or invest what's been given to us. We have the opportunity to invest our time, our talent, and our treasure. And when we do that, the return on our investment is priceless. The return on that investment is priceless. A number of years ago, you as a church made an investment. You might not even have known you were making this investment, but you made an investment in the life of someone in your community, and I've invited Leslie to come here today to tell you about the difference that that investment that you as a church made in her has made for her. So, Leslie, I would like to invite you to come forward, Leslie Fredrickson, everybody, uh, sharing with you um, about the investment uh, that you've made. Thank you. Morning, church. Hello. Um, how good is God? I, 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 I kind of want to change from this, shift from this you. after hearing this message. It's a, a beautiful message, and I am a testimony to um, the gifts and the timing of God. Um, about 15 years ago, I was standing over there. There was about five of us. We were receiving a scholarship, um, an academic scholarship. I was a single mom uh, going to nursing school. Um, I was going to get my LPN at the time. I didn't know what the future held. I was scared, nervous, um, and I wasn't working either, so I was full-time. And uh, you as a church get, helped and, and honored me, awarded me with a scholarship towards school. And um, talk about timing, you can understand that the timing was perfect. It was right in my time of need when you guys stepped up as a church and really helped me and my son um, through my schooling. So um, you also planted a seed when I was standing over there. When I was standing over there, I was so grateful and thankful that I also said, one day I'm going to repay this favor. One day I'm going to return the favor. And I don't know when. And I don't know how, but I just knew in my heart that I, it felt so good to receive that, that I needed to be on the giving end. Instead of being the receiver, there was a time I knew I was going to be a giver. Um, so the seed was planted. I go through school, through the years. It was not easy. Nursing school is not easy. Um, I did... Uh, a B, I, I was able to further my, my education as an LPN. I did go on and uh, get my RN. Um, after this pandemic, um, I pivoted again professionally and I graduated from a holistic patient advocacy uh, program and I just became board certified as a patient advocate. So God planted in my seed all those years ago to return the favor. Now I go from being an LPN to an RN 
I am a seasoned home care and hospice professional nurse. Um, I have almost 15 years in nursing, and I have uh, a very viable business that I'm going to be launching in the next month. And it's through the grace of this church that I was able to do that. You, this church was a part of my journey, um, of my success story. And as God and Jesus has it in their beautiful timing, they've had their hand over my journey this entire time. They have protected me. They have nurtured that seed that was planted in me. They watered it. They gave it sun and beauty. And I now have been able to return the favor back. And last week, I was able to bring a check and return the favor back to the church. So you can, again, re-gift to um, somebody else, uh, somebody else's future. So I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I love being a testimony and standing here telling you that what you, you investing in me all those years ago um, really, truly impacted my life. So thank you. Awesome. Now I'm on? Check. Hello. Hi. Uh, we have to be investors because we're investing in something we don't own. What you just heard from Leslie was her testimony, but it was her testimony based on what you did with God's resource to bless her. It wasn't something that we owned. We invested in Leslie's life because we were stewarding what God had given to us. And if we're learning to be rich towards God, we want to have the greatest possible return on our investment. Right, So thank you, church, for investing in Leslie and being able to see that incredible return in her life. And, and Leslie, thank you for giving back to the community so that we can do just what you said, give that investment and, and give that back to someone else and return that and continue to being rich towards God. Um, there's a natural progression. There's a natural progression when someone is going through these mental shifts to uh, someone who starts by embarking on on having this divine wealth mentality. We start by becoming stewards of, of thinking about what we have as, as being stewards, and then we become investors in what God owns. That's the natural progression. We start by thinking we're stewards, we move towards being investors, and then one day you're gonna wake up. One day on this journey, you're gonna wake up, and the reality is gonna be you're gonna be a giver. You're gonna be a giver. That's the third step in this process. You're gonna be someone who lives to give. Now, in a couple of days, 35 to be precise, but who's counting? We're going to celebrate Jesus' birthday, 35 days from now. And Christmas is a wonderful time for us all. But today, I want to, um, I want to flash forward in Jesus' life a little bit. I want us to go towards the end of his earthly ministry, the story that we find in his earthly ministry. And, uh, on Palm Sunday, in fact, Jesus uh, rode into Jerusalem. If you know that story well, he rode into Jerusalem, and we see an example of God using our generosity to bless the entire world. We see this story on Palm Sunday. If, you, if you've ever attended an Easter service, you're probably familiar with the story of Jesus riding in on a donkey, 
right? And all the people are celebrating, they're cheering, and they're crying out. Uh, they're laying coats down, and they're, they're, they're laying their coats before Jesus as he comes in uh, in riding on the donkey. They're laying them down as a, as a sign of respect and honor. It was a wonderful celebration. But, but think with me for a second. What was it that made that whole thing possible? Matthew chapter 21, verses 2 and 3. Jesus says this. He says, go into the village over there. As soon as you enter it, you're going to see a donkey tied there with a colt tied beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs them. And he will immediately let you take them to bring them to me. If you've ever attended that service and, and thought about that story, you're going to see that Jesus says these words. The Lord needs them, and, and that man will immediately allow you to take them. In what universe, in what universe does God, who made anything and everything that we see around us, need anything from us? Did he need the five loaves and the two fish to perform a miracle to feed the multitude? No. He's God. He didn't need that. Didn't he need the little copper mite the widow dropped into the offering plate at the temple to teach the disciples? No. He didn't need that. Did he need the, the tomb given by Joseph of Arimathea after his crucifixion? Couldn't he have just made a new tomb by thinking about it and said, I want a new tomb, I want a new place? God authored Mount Everest. Of course he could whisper a tomb into existence. He didn't need Joseph to do that. He doesn't need you or me. Did he really need a big donkey and a little donkey to enter Jerusalem to give his life for us? The answer, of course, is no. Jesus didn't need that. Jesus could have entered Jerusalem any way he wanted to. He could have flown in like Peter Pan, or if you're in the younger generation, Iron Man. He could have just flown right in if he'd gone to Jerusalem that way. God doesn't need anything from us. But like the owner of the donkeys, he's inviting us always to be written into the story. He's inviting us. He doesn't need you to tell the story. He's giving you and me an opportunity to be in the story. Think about this. As Jesus was going into Jerusalem, and they're laying their cloaks on the ground, and the donkey's making his way into the crowd, and they're laying the palm branches out, and they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's that guy who owned the two donkeys, and he's watching all of that happen because of his generosity. He was written into God's story. Because he gave what he had as a steward, he was written into God's story. You and I get to be written into the story too. Some of you, as you sit here listening, you may be considering honoring God, being rich towards God with a tithe for the very first time. There may be a challenge going on within your heart trying to reconcile that, that mental shift, and, and you may be uh, thinking about that. Maybe that's how you're going to be rich towards God. And as you give, God is writing you into the story. Those of you that give your time to serve in the church week after week after week, every single time you do it, every time you do that, every time you pick something up or put something down or sing a song or pray, any time you do that, God is writing you into the story. Every time you give sacrificially, 
You open a door for someone else. You help someone else in a time of need. Anytime you give to someone else sacrificially, you are investing. You are investing in that other person's life. And you are being written into the story. And you may even be changing someone else's story down the line. God doesn't need us, but he invites us to be a part of the story. And so as we close out this series, this Keep the Change series, my prayer is that God will show you how he's inviting you into his story. Will you take your role as stewards of God's resources? And will you freely pass on? Will you take what God's given to you and will you freely pass it? Will you stop with the holding and do more of the giving? Maybe your next step is to look at what you have in your possession and you'll find ways to invest that as a steward. You'll look for those opportunities to get a return on the reward of what God is putting in your life. You're a steward investing in people and ministry around you and then you can watch as that investment grows into a blessing as we saw in Leslie's life today. Or are you at the point in your faith where God is showing you, showing you that you can live to give? That you're at a point where you've processed these things and now's the time for you to take a step of faith to just live to give. The more we give, the more God brings into our lives to give more. That's just how he says, test me in this, God says. Boy, that's a tough test. That is a hard test for us. Test me in this. Wherever you are in your journey of faith, Take the next step. Wherever you are, if you're at the beginning, the middle, or towards the end, take the next step. Because all the steps, all these steps that I've talked about will give you a divine wealth mentality. And all of these ways will help you be rich towards God. Amen. Let's pray. God, at the season of the year of Thanksgiving, we do stop and we pause and we give thanks. We give thanks because we are rich. And God, we confess that we don't feel rich a lot of the time, particularly in this part of the world, particularly when we are comparing ourselves to everyone left, right, and center around us. But Lord, we are rich. And so we pray that you would help us to shift our mindset so that we would understand the value that you have placed into our hands and into our hearts and into our lives. And Lord, you would show us the ways to move towards that place of living to give to give to others out of the abundance of what you've given to us, to have a, an attitude of gratitude and a heart of gratitude. So Lord, at this season of Thanksgiving, as we are approaching Christmas, Lord, may this be the mark of every person in this room, every person listening to this, uh, Lord, as a podcast. Lord, every single one of us listening to this today, may that be the mark of what people see in us, that we would be a people of generosity in our heart, mind, soul, and the resources that you have given to us. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen.